Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. To us. Fires. Touchdown, Miami. Waddle. Snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It's a Monday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we are catching up on what we missed from the final week of OTAs, heading right into that summer break. We're going to hear from Big Rob Hunt, Brennan Scarlett, Raekwon Davis, and Emmanuel Ogba, plus... My 10 takeaways from the off-season program. You won't want to miss that. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. So we have some roster news to get to before we get into the actual podcast itself as Deshaun Hall and Javaris Davis were released from the Dolphins and in comes Porter Gustin a linebacker out of the University of Southern California who played in the pros with the Cleveland Browns, largely on special teams. And my memory of Porter Gustin was as a very good college prospect, a really good outside rusher who had an explosive first step and get off. And in fact, he had a big play in a game against the Cougs a few years back, the 10-2 and season, the Gardner Minshew season, where he had a big hit on Minshew. Maybe he could have been flagged, but it wasn't, and it ended up basically winning the game for USC. And if the Cougs win that game, they would have gone to the Pac-12 championship game and then promptly got blown out in that one. But he is in. Deshaun Hall, Javaris Davis are out off the roster, and the offseason program is officially a wrap. I am personally headed back to the Pacific Northwest for the summer break, going to catch some Mariners games, spend some time on the Oregon coast, and revel in the final six episodes of Better Call Saul. Man, I cannot wait to see what happens there. I've been re-watching the entire series, and I'm not all that interested in comparing it versus Breaking Bad in terms of which one is better, but I am confident in saying this, that together, it's the best fictional universe we've ever been treated to on TV as an audience. So, I want to hear your theories and predictions for the Better Call Saul fans out there on the final six episodes. What do you think is going to happen? Get at me at Winkfield NFL on Twitter and tell me what you think happens to Kim, to how Gene responds at the Cinnabon. Where does Lalo's arc take him? I want to hear it all. I have my own thoughts. We'll save that for another day. All of this is an interlude into my first topic today, the 10 takeaways from the offseason program as we head into the summer break with you know June and July being the two months on the NFL calendar where not a lot happens 
On one hand, the slower part of the schedule is always welcomed after 10 and a half months of really staying busy, but also the end of it means the best time of the year and the start of the football season. And today, though, I want to talk about 10 things that I thought stood out at Dolphins practice slash moves in the offseason and what to look forward to for training camp. So without further ado, and in no particular order, let's go ahead and start with takeaway number one, and it's the last line of defense, and I'm talking about the safety position here. At Tuesday's practice last week, I had the chance to sit next to Joe Rose and John Kinjemi and just talked, you know, all things Dolphins from three different perspectives there. And I was talking about how impressed I had been all camp long with the work of both Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, and one thing I really like is how They start the team period. They do this little handshake before going to their position on the field for the first snap, wherever that might be. And I'm not sure why, but maybe it's a subconscious sign of confidence that I sense from the two of those guys. And that's what I'll go with simply because it plays out on the field that way. Later, Eric Rowe made a play and the three of us, John, Joe, and myself, began talking about him. And Joe was talking about how much he likes Eric Rowe's game and thinks he's undervalued by the casual fan. And I've been the president myself of the Eric Rowe fan club really since he's made that switch to safety back in 2019 and just had lockdown numbers against every damn tight end he faced in coverage that year. And I think his run defense has only improved as well. And that's all to say that I look at the position group I like that top part of it. I like the depth part of it with Clayton Fedulum and Sheldrick Redwine as kind of contributors on the special teams unit and other guys in that room have done the same thing. I'm not sure which I would vote for for strongest position group on paper on this football team, but I think the safeties have their hat in that ring and would get some votes for that. But back to the topic at hand, mostly the two young guys, Javon and Brandon, and the way they work together. And we heard them talk about their relationship with their media availabilities, how they've really clicked from the jump last season, despite not knowing each other, kind of becoming a close-knit friendship in the back end of that Dolphins defensive backfield. And we even heard Eric Rowe talk about that in his press availability a few weeks back, about how they just seem a step faster from even where they were a year ago. And that's why I started here, because you for sure recall on the podcast, unless you're new to the podcast, and if you are, welcome in. We talk Dolphins football on here a lot. And uh, my biggest thing with both of these guys was... Just the way they move around and fly to the football and can cover ground, not just with their athletic traits, but their processing. And such an important part of the game, we know what they do in that regard. We heard Jones, you know, his pre-draft work, we talked about that on the podcast as well. When he was unable to participate at the Combine in Indy because of a shoulder injury, he goes out and gets the playbook of every defensive team and watches four games of all of them and brushes up on the mental side. We heard about Javon Holland's mental aptitude, the ability to lead in the pre-draft process. And then when he gets here, and of course he touched on growing as a leader in his press availability on Tuesday, which we covered on the Friday podcast, I believe is when it came out. Remember that clip from him in Oregon coming off of his route, willing to the backside crosser, jumping the route and making that play. We've talked about it on this pod a lot. That's like an everyday thing at practice where he makes plays. They both time up their approaches to the line of scrimmage. They both can play single high or split safety. They just, this defense does such a great job of disguising their looks and not letting the quarterback know what the coverage, what the front, what the rush, who's coming, who's dropping, what that's going to be. And Jones and Holland on the back end, that makes that approach a whole heck of a lot easier because the safeties are often where the quarterback's eyes start. And with these two guys doing so many different things, how can you get a beat on that? And you can go back to the tape last year when you see Javon making plays 30 yards off the ball in the 10-yard box behind the line of scrimmage. 
That kind of versatility is rare in its own right, but the ability to do it all and play fast with all of it is just something else. And I talk about this, you know, the pra- the three-play sequence I saw at practice where Javon's in the post playing, covering 30 yards, 40 yards down the field, defending a pass to the field side of the formation from the boundary, so the, the wider side of the field. Then he comes down and rushes the quarterback and gets off the edge and makes an impact play and causes an errant throw from the quarterback and then matches up man-to-man on Mike Gesicki and wins that route and gets a pass breakup on it. It's just, it's rare to watch him work and just produce every single day. But back to the idea of the defense, and a quote here from Josh Boyer from last November when he was asked about how those two guys and talking about the creativity and versatility helps him to get creative on the drawing board. Here's what the Dolphins defensive coordinator had to say. Quote, I think both those guys are athletic. They're both physical. I think they got a good instinct for the game. I think they work extremely hard at it. And I think the more experience they gain, the better they are getting. I don't think anything substitutes experience. And I think those guys are doing a good job for us and we'll ask them to do more. We'll ask them to continue to get better, end quote. Well, here we are, you know, that was November. Oh boy, Travis has to do math again. It was seven, eight months later. I mean, that's a long, they've they've grown and learned a lot more in that time. Number two, the Tyreek Hill thrill. What more do I got to say than that, honestly? Like I shared the Kurt Warner breakdown video on Twitter last weekend where he looks at the impact of Tyreek's speed and how his ability to threaten deep in the deep portion of the field can both A, remove the safety from the equation, and B, we talk about Holland and Jones and their versatility helping the quarterback not make quick decisions and quick reads, that Tyreek Hill's presence can help the quarterback dictate coverage early because when that safety has to flip those hips early and commit himself to either the deep half, the deep third, the deep quarter, that gives you indicators on how that coverage is going to unfold. And how a lot of what Tyreek did on the Kurt Warner breakdown how a lot of what he did was with win was winning with speed was attacking leverage and running to space, which we know this this offense wants to cover every blade of grass, and that's what speed can do for you. The corner has outside leverage where he's funneling inside. How Tyreek's speed can force that defensive back's hand, and once they get one false step or get their eyes in the wrong spot for a split second, he can wheel off that route, change direction, and hit the accelerator before the defensive back has time to react. It helps decipher coverage, but it also helps create big plays. Then in that video, Warner also talked about how polished Tyreek is as a route runner and just a football player in general, how he uses his routes and speed to create those false steps we talked about. Like there's a clip on there where he needed to find a soft spot against zone down in the red zone with a linebacker at the hash and a cornerback chilling at the numbers or the close to the red line. And rather than using the, and rather than rushing to that spot and just getting there and, and showing the quarterback your numbers and making it a smaller window, he's patient, pushes up for an extra step, and that forces the linebacker to take one retreat step backwards, a false step, and then his trigger is slower and it creates a much bigger window because there's more time for the quarterback to fit that. And that kind of matches up with the stat we shared with on shared with you on the Jeez, the last Monday podcast, his 3.4 average yards per separation that has him tops in the NFL since 2016, since he came into the NFL. And I think we've seen some of those impacts so far in OTAs, creating space for other guys. Cedric Wilson told us as much. Mike Gesicki's made his hay. Jalen Waddle making all kinds of plays. Trent Sherfield. I mean, the impact is tangible. And then there's the example that he sets, like repping everything, going full speed, running those takeoffs down the field again and again and again, and just showing you the conditioning that he offers, how you're supposed to practice. I mean, what a great example for, you know, Jalen Waddle to have in that receiver's room, to watch the way Tyreek Hill does it. 
And oh yeah, how about a handful of long touchdowns we've already seen so far in practice? That too is pretty cool. Takeaway number three, then we'll go ahead and get to our first break here. Firing off the ball slash athletic ability up front. This young group of offensive linemen, and they added Connor Williams, who grades out well in this regard, and Teron Armstead, who ran the fastest 40 ever at the combine for an offensive tackle, offensive lineman in general. Their athletic scorecards, their their measurements in terms of testing and the way they play on the field, that's where they shine. And I go back to this quote from McDaniel when he was with the Niners all the time about how he was asked about the idea of finding these gems or even undersized guys on the offensive line. And he said, well, they were third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. We didn't take them in the first round. You know, if there was a seven foot tall, 400 pound guy, we'd take him probably in the first round. And I wish you could get five of those guys if you could, you know, genetically modify your offensive line. That's what you'd go for. But sometimes you got to do with what you got. And, you know, all of these guys the Dolphins have drafted highly have those traits. And I mean, really to a man, each of these guys, Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams, Austin Jackson, they talked about firing off the football. And I saw a tweet by Joe Thomas, the legendary future Hall of Fame left tackle of the Cleveland Browns for all those years. And he was replying to a tweet about Alex Mack's retirement and how important he was to the running scheme that Kyle Shanahan ran at every stop that he was at. And I think the proof is in the pudding there that Mac was the center for the Browns the one year that Shanahan was there. Then they trade for Mac in Atlanta when he gets there and he finishes career. Mac does by following Shanahan off to the Bay area in San Francisco. But Joe Thomas tweeted, you know, quote, shock them with speed and quote, quote, retweeting a Duke Mannyweather tweet who posted a clip of Joe Thomas from that 2014 Browns team hitting a great wall off block on outside zone. I mean, that pops off the tape with these guys really across the board. And it was a common theme on Tuesday tape review last year. Almost every week saying, there's some running lanes here. These guys are creating some push and creating some gaps. We just got to take advantage of them. I think we have a chance to see that get even better as each of these guys have the relative athletic scorecards that are near the top of the class that are requisite with a scheme that benefits players on the offensive line that can play that way. Let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll come back and get to takeaways four through 10. And we'll also hear from Rob Hunt, Emmanuel Ogba, Brennan Scarlett. And who's my fourth and final guy on the media availabilities today? Raekwon Davis. All of that next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back here on the Drive Time Podcast, we have given you three takeaways from the off-season program. Let's go ahead and pick it up back here with number four. And for me, it's the veteran impact on this football team with the off-season acquisitions they have made. And you'll hear from Emmanuel Ogba here in just one second when he talks about the change in this team going from one that's very young to a balanced club in terms of young guys in the veteran mix. And that is a natural evolution when you have... Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So many picks over a couple of years, right? Like your 21-year-old Austin Jackson, your 20-year-old Noah Igbenogany, your youngest and third youngest player in the NFL when they got drafted. Well, now they are 23 and 22, two years later. And across the board with all those picks, Brandon Jones, Raekwon Davis, Robert Hunt, Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Tua Tungabailoa, you get it. But now... 
Hill, Melvin Ingram, Teron Armstead. I mentioned how Hill has that impact on the receiver's room. Teron Armstead's tutelage is the only thing that rivals the fact that he's been the best left tackle in football over the last decade. And, you know, we talked about Joe Thomas. He doesn't have as many years, but he's in that competition. Trent Williams, I think, is as well. Very least, Armstead's in the discussion for best left tackle in the NFL. Melvin Ingram getting out there and helping the linebackers with their hands. Stack and shed, Pete get off, and, and the fundamentals that go with the hand placement and punch and strike. And just the presence of those guys on the field that can chip in with their tricks of the trade. And we'll hear from Rob Hunt on that here in just a few. And to round out the group, the three running backs that were added in free agency, you have to imagine have a similar impact. Thomas Morstead on special teams, and then with the retention of a guy like Alandon Roberts coming back in the middle of that defense as a real leader of that group, it's up and down the roster, excuse me, with the guys that can kind of get everyone in line in terms of the on-field coaching from players. Now, number five, did good get gooder with regards to the defensive line and really in particular the interior defensive line? Remember training camp last year? My notebook, like I found towards the end of August, I ran out of ways to compliment the foursome of Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, and Butler. I tried my best to quantify the impact I felt the D-line had every damn practice in that particular foursome with the pocket pushing, running pick stunts, creating chances, opening lanes, hustling after the football, getting their hands up and swatting down passes. It's only gotten better in terms of camp to season, now to OTAs. Like just They just keep getting better. I mean, the fifth most sacks as a team last year in the NFL, the most rejected passes by a defensive line in football. Christian Wilkins looks the part again. Zach Sealer, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the entire National Football League. I think it's fair to expect a jump from Raekwon Davis. Adam Butler is one of the most consistent players in terms of his numbers, always being counted on the exact same over five years from pressures and run stops. Obviously, Ogba off the edge, if you want to go out to the, to the edge position more, and the linebackers who are all capable of playing off the edge as well. Maybe this is a front seven thing, but I think a unit that was really damn good last year just got better, both with improvements from the incumbents and the new pieces added. Takeaway number six, it's fun to have fun. And it starts up top with the head man who really sets the tone for the way the staff, the players, and the entire organization operates. We are all enamored with Coach Mike McDaniel when he speaks, right? He captivates us all, whether it's about a skip technique by a pulling guard or the intricacies of sushi and trying to keep up with Chris Greer's cherry Pepsi consumption. He's just a fun interview. Well, that personality rubs off on the team. And I love how he mentioned in his Tuesday availability how the players are the ones who ultimately establish the culture. My you-are-what-you-eat analogy from that Friday podcast. But the coach has a hand in that too. Coach is fun. The guys are having fun out there. The orange jersey and the music, those little ways to relate to the modern player. I'm all about that, all about the mindset and how it sparks this camaraderie through competition where guys work hard but have a good time with the players, the coaches, and Coach McDaniel himself as well. Number seven, making a case. It's so tough to keep your eye on 90 players at a practice. I try my best and I'm happy with what I'm able to report on for you guys here on the podcast, but I know I'm, li- I'm missing at least a little bit, probably a lot more than that. So I just want to say that because I've no doubt missed someone making some plays on my list here, but I always like to see who's making waves among the names that you're not used to hearing from on everyday social. Quick coffee sip. Ice coffee, that's how we do it. Benito Jones made plays in the practices I saw. So did Trent Sherfield, Trill Williams, Duke Riley. I thought Austin Jackson showed a bunch in these workouts. thought Kellen Deesh showed some of what made him one of the best offensive linemen in the Pac-12 over the last four years. And I thought Zaquandre White 
ran the ball really well. Savon Ahmed, too, actually. Again, I'm forgetting some names, but those are some of the names I'm most excited to see heading into camp in terms of guys you're not used to hearing about every single day. Number eight, weapons at Tua's disposal. Mentioned Tyreek Hill, his impact above. And that's allowed us to get a look at all these playmakers as the ball is distributed about on any given day of practice. Throwing to the open man. Dan Orlovsky ranked Miami's skill group as number five in the AFC. Personally, you got to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers, but I digress. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it over Buffalo too. By watching Chase Edmonds doing his thing, we haven't even seen Raheem Mostert or Sonny Michelle in those team periods. Savon Ahmed looks smooth and fast to boot. Hill, Waddle, Wilson, Mike Gesicki. I mean, a six-time Pro Bowler, a rookie reception record holder, a guy who pops off the leaderboard in terms of the advanced wide receiver metrics in Cedric Wilson, and a tight end who is fifth in receiving over the last two years at his positional, among his positional contemporaries, I should say. Takeaway number nine is just Tua. It's just Tua. That's the tweet. And he encompasses a bit, a little bit of all of this, particularly the having fun bullet point, coach encouraging him to be himself, him getting the guys to his house for football work and a post-workout BBQ. The ball placement shows up in practices. The ability to navigate muddy waters in the pocket does as well. They've hit so many big plays with throws that were just over the outstretched arm of the underneath defender. I'm excited to watch him come back for camp, and now they've had some time to brush up on the installs, let it kind of sink in and absorb a little bit more, and just watch how Tua has the offense humming back out of the break. Like Coach said, he's happy with where they're at right now, but they've got to keep pushing, obviously. And that's our last bullet point here, number 10, forecasting of self-scouting and maximizing talent. Back to Coach and being in tune with his his roster, his team, his building, his staff, the employees around the building. Just hearing Coach talk about his approach to, quite frankly, everything. His answer about UDFAs and how he views them, how he measures the success of the offseason program, how he doesn't get too high when stuff works because this league is designed to humble you after you make a big play, how he broke down tight window throws and red zone work for us. The process of installing an offense in the offseason. He has told us so much good stuff that we just don't get otherwise. And that paired with the intro press conference when he talked about training with video and streamlining the learning process to adapt for modern attention spans. We have to let him coach his first game, but that makes you pretty confident about the ability to hopefully self-scout, get things corrected, maybe not be so rigid to stick with something that's not working when that happens because it inevitably will happen at some point and ultimately put his players in the best position to make plays. And that last part that I want to touch on was his answer about the hoodie and being in tune with the heat with his players and how they might react to it. My thought was this guy just thinks of everything. Like those are good hands to be in with the head coach. All right, let's go ahead and take our final break here and we'll get to the media availabilities we did not cover on the Friday podcast. Four of those to get to Rob Hunt, Raekwon Davis, Manuel Ogba, and Brian Scarlett next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Finishing up with the last of the media availabilities we're going to have until training camp in July. Let's go ahead and start with Rob Hunt. I talked about Teron Armstead, the impact of the veterans on this team and an offensive line room. Here's Rob Hunt talking about the impact of Teron and the tips he's given the younger guys so far through OTAs. Teron definitely helped a lot of our guys out, especially like us young guys. He's he's out to practice. I mean, working with some guys, you know, he's in the meeting room telling us what we can do, what he's seen. You know, he's, he's been... Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break 
and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. For a while, so um, he, what, what he says, you know, we definitely take heed and we listen to it because, you know, he, he's done it. He's been all pro. He's been pro bowl. He's been, you know, everything that we, um, you know, want to be in life pretty much. So um, everything Teron's saying, man, we take it in and we listen to him. And a follow-up, what's something Teron's told you that's helped you particularly with your game? Uh, for me, man, I don't know. He, he, he just tell me, he tell me a lot of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, it's just some, some little technique stuff that I can work on to, take, to really take my game to the next level, you know, and that's just something that I'm looking forward to to keep working on this summer and also um, when, when camp come and then hopefully in the season to roll over. Go ahead and finish up here with the big eccentric Rob Hunt about Tua Tungavailoa coming out of his shell. What have you noticed from Tua so far this offseason, Big Rob? Here he is. I think he's always been like that. I think he, I think this part is maybe you guys first time, like, you know what I mean? But no, he, he's a guy with confidence, man. He's a guy that believes in stuff and we believe in him too. So, you know, I love it, man. Like, because I, I, I see it, you know what I mean? I, and I believe it and I trust it. So, we all do, so we, I, I'm good for Tua, man. I'm glad he did that. Let's go ahead and stay in the trenches on the other side of the football and big Raekwon Davis, who was asked, you know, we, uh, the reporters, didn't see the practice that earned you the orange jersey. Can you tell us about what you did in practice to get that? Was it tackles for loss? Here's Raekwon. Oh, no, no. It wasn't nothing special, man. Just effort, you know. Running to the ball, you know, just an effort guy, you know. That's it. I told you this was going to be brief. The last one here with Raekwon, he was asked about Teaming up with Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins for another year together, talking about what the four of them can really help accomplish and setting the tone up front. Here's Raekwon. Getting far, man. Just pissing each other, you know. Um, just competing as a unit. Just sticking together. Everybody on one head, you know. That's it. We stay on the defensive line, going from Raekwon Davis to Emmanuel Ogba. Mr. Nine sacks himself each of the last two years. One of the best pressure guys in the entire NFL who was asked, hey, what's the goal of these practices, EO? Here he is. Just every day we want to get better, you know, get better at the little things, you know, what we struggle with. Uh, you just got to work on just little aspects of your game. That's what OTAs is for, just tune up your skills. And I'm glad we have the whole defense together so we all know how each other uh, operate and each other work. So, you know. That's how we developed from there. And speaking of developing, Jalen Phillips did plenty of that in his rookie season, now into year two. One of the best damn players out there uh, through the entire OTA process. What does Emmanuel Ogba see different in Jalen Phillips? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. He definitely got bigger. I'll say that. Um, but definitely seeing the speed. He's faster now this year, stronger. And I'm excited for him. I can't wait to see him out there go compete. So. He was also asked about how excited he was to see all the moves the Dolphins' offense made this offseason. He, like us, was pumped up. But he was also asked about the difference he sees in the offense now with these additions. Here's Emmanuel. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a difference. We got Tyreek running down. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge difference. You know, I'm excited to have those guys part of the team now. So there's Emmanuel Ogba. Let's go ahead and stay on the defensive side of the football here with Brennan Scarlett, who was asked about Returned to the Miami Dolphins after hitting potentially hitting free agency. Now he's back with the Miami Dolphins. Here he is talking about how excited he is to be back here in South Florida. Super excited. I love being here in Miami. Uh, it's great energy, the fan base. Obviously, the city is great. And I think we have a really talented team. And we had a young team last year that now is, you know, an older team. And I think we have a lot of competitive guys and guys that really want to win. And that's who... Ultimately, I want to surround myself with. And so I'm blessed and fortunate to be back here in Miami. We've talked about this offensive system a lot and how they want to make you defend every blade of grass. 
How does that help the defense when you go up against an offense that can stretch the edges of the defense like that? Here's Brandon Scarlett on just that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the scheme that we're going against is, is really helping to sharpen our tools, especially as an edge player. You know, your hands got to be right. You got to roll off the toe, you know, physical. Uh, and also, you know, we got talented backs too. So to keep you honest, you know, keep your eyes in your gap uh, and play honest gap sound football. And so, yeah. And then finally, do you notice that with the offense trying to make you defend every blade of grass? Does the defense notice that with the offense and does it make you better? Sure, for sure. Yeah, I think in the pass game and in the run game, you know, that really the offense is uh, built to, uh, you know, to stretch out the defense. And, you know, as, as a defense, you know, who prides ourselves on being able to cover the whole field, you know, it's good. It's good work that we're getting. Last one I got for you before so I get here. I saw you project a pass and kind of get on the that was uh, that was actually strumming the guitar and then just asking for some feedback from the crowd. Thought we'd go ahead and throw that last little one in there for you guys as Brandon Scarlett talked about a celebration he did after batting a pass down. I thought it was the Happy Gilmore Bowl dance, but it was not. It was the air guitar. So appreciate Brandon for clearing that up for us. All right, that's going to do it for our OTA coverage. Our last episode here covering the practices. I believe we have two more episodes this week and then we'll go ahead and shift to a two weeks or two podcasts per week as we preview the roster and training camp this summer and also do a preview of each division in the NFL because it's summertime. It's time to brush up on the rest of the league and get ready for the 2022 NFL season. We're also going to have the guys from the fish tank on an episode this week as well. The off season program may be a wrap, but we still have plenty to come your way. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, follow the team at Miami dolphins across all social channels. Check out that fish tank podcast, coach McDaniel on the show. You don't want to miss that. Our weekly Twitter spaces show every Wednesday with myself, Seth and OJ, of course, the YouTube channel for dolphins today, as well as all the media availabilities and Last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.